Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. We don't even know what song that's from. We had a different we had a different intro. You you want to start over? Do you remember the four things that you asked us to get from the house today? Um my bike. Bike. Both our books. Books. Hiking boots. Bag boots. Bag. And my boots. And my bag. I think it was. Yeah. Backpack. Boots, bike, backpack, boots, bike, backpack, boots, bike, back, books, books, bikes, backpack, books. Welcome to the podcast, Father John and uh, Father Nathan. Round two. Keeping it real. Round two is always a danger zone. Flying to the danger zone. Another movie I haven't seen. We've hit a new level here. We used to pour a bourbon. Well, we now we just keep the bottle on the table. <laughs> I will admit, in the last podcast, Father John did pour... Repour, I should say, during the podcast. That is true. That is true. I blame Father Chris Lebsack for that because uh, he's a he's a pusher. Everybody has the, that one friend who doesn't actually drink that much, but mm. pushes hard. He's a Tennessee pusher. He's a pusher, and he'll be like all hard cheers, but he doesn't drink anything. And it took Father Mike and I about nine months to realize that he's actually not drinking anything. Wow! And we are pushing the limits of hilarita, right? Does he not drink because he has diabetes? Mm, I think he actually has something Diabetes. Called, he's got something called temperance. No. Yeah. Maybe. Mm, sour Patch Kids, well, which we don't like anymore. We like, but we can't have so many of. We, we like, but we can't have so many of him. Yep. So here we are. A beautiful sunset tonight. Look at this. The evening glow. Yeah. Magic hour, as the photographers say. Mm. Catching that hour. It's catching the mullet right now, if you could only see it. It's a marvelous night for a romance under the cover of October sky. There's going to be an awkward um, like 15 renditions of songs because of the topic. A fantabulous night to make romance. I've been listening to a lot of uh, Merle Haggard in the last 48 hours. Yep, I, you. I accidentally left my aux cord, my auxiliary cord, at my house. Which meant that we could only listen to the CD, not CDs, <laughs> CD that I had in my car, which was Merle of, Haggard. Merle Haggard's greatest hits. That's right, and it, it was good. It yeah, was good. Oh, he has got some great lines. I think we'll do a podcast on one of them. Yeah, it's good. It was. I was pleasantly surprised. I think like Merle Haggard, Johnny Cash. It's like he kind of. For me, I'm like I need to like these guys, but I never actually listened right. to them. So it was nice to be forced for 48 hours to just straight Merle Haggard. Yep. That's all we had. Is it true he was in prison when Johnny Cash played? That's yeah, in the Folsom in Folsom prison. Really? That's what I heard. I don't know. I Who mean, told you that we need a fact checker. We need a fact checker. Somebody will check that fact. Somebody course. will check that fact and see whether or not it's true. Speaking of fact, do you remember your old line? <laughs> can we do this? No, you can do it uh, without cussing. So in focus, in focus. Uh, we are looking for disciples, namely people that were, uh, we believe are open to uh, receiving a deeper uh, um, formation in uh, focus training, I guess, um, on campus. And so the four uh, points that they're looking for, which are very helpful. I don't think they do this anymore. This is old school focus. 
I, I think heard they're this. still looking for I haven't it. heard this in a while. Well, anyways, you're looking for someone who is faithful, available, and contagious, and, and teachable. teachable. Oh, okay. Faithful, namely, they believe in the church, and they're, they're faithful to the church. Right. They're faithful to their commitments. They're faithful kind of on a virtuous level and on a, a spiritual level. Available, like they actually have time to do this. If right. they're taking 72 credit hours and are trying to triple major in three different subjects, they're not going to have any time to invest in anybody else. Contagious, like they actually want to share what they've been given. Like they may be completely faithful and available, but they don't want to talk to anybody. Like an addictive personality. Like what we're looking for are addictive person. We're trying to start an outbreak of nepple. <laughs> Do they know that story? I mentioned this on a podcast one yeah, time. I have an addictive it. personality. And right. then afterwards, he called me out as my brother and said, you're really vain and arrogant for thinking you're addictive. And I was like, I'm talking about substances. I'm not talking about... Your love, your love, your love is my drug. Yes. Contagious. So they're actually willing to share and teachable. They are not only faithful and available, like they have time and they believe in the church and they're willing to share, but they'll actually... Listen to correction. We're looking for people who are fact. We're looking for people who are fact. So when I got onto campus, I was supposed to give a talk to all the disciples at North Dakota State. And I said, like, you want... I was trying to make the point where you need all four, and you can't just have one or the other. So I told the people in discipleship... I don't even know if they remember this. There were some really good people in that room. Um, uh, I said, we don't need anybody who's fat... Fact or f***ed. F-U-C. No, F-C-T. F-C-T. Okay, and I was trying... I thought they followed my logic. And um, uh, (laughs) Megan McCartney, now Megan uh, Lewis, uh, looked at me with these eyes of horror. Like, what did you just say? And I was like, no, I mean, just, you know, you you have to have one. Right. And anyways, they didn't follow. Right. Well, speaking of fact, you're... uh your hosting of the podcast, or excuse me, of the spike ball tournament a couple weeks ago. Right. I want to thank you for that. Hmm. Because that was a faithful to me. Faithful. <laughs> Available to me. To you. Contagious to me. To me. And you weren't really teachable. I mean, you made it to the second round, but you know. Teachable in the sense that I'm going to show you how you do this. Namely, you just be the face. Maggie will do all of the work. Right. That was... I hope Maggie, who listens to this podcast, understands the only reason... Why I agreed to even be part of that spike ball tournament is John assured me that you were an indentured slave and would give even your own flesh to ensure that this happened. That's quite a statement. What I like to think of it as is Maggie Cure, we're talking our friend Maggie Cure, who um, is basically able to do things in about four minutes that would take us days. Yes. Days. While she's preparing dinner... Uh, changing a diaper and probably sending out another one of your Evernotes. That's right, and so that's why we love her. Yep. So, so Maggie, Maggie, like I quote unquote organized the spike ball tournament. She sent out every email. She ordered the pizza, organized the money, organized the beer, got the spike ball sets, set everything up. Like I pretty much just walked into a Parks and Rec in Arvada and said Park. we'd like to have a nice save in Parks now. The yeah, Parks have we talked about your have you ever seen that show? Yeah, I've never seen it. Treat yourself, treat yourself. Uh, now, have we talked about your your new um, what rectory at all? Yes, we've talked about it. You've talked about it on here. I think it's hilarious. Yeah, you called it Arvada Country Club, 
And like, no, I did not. And that your is parishioners that got is, upset. Yes, did they did. That. Yeah, I didn't say that. I like the woodworking <laughs> and the uh, the model. The digging myself. It's this grave. I never called it the country club. I'd like to, I'd like somebody to listen back the last. Can six you fact podcasts. check that, folks? Fact check that. We, we don't, don't need, need somebody's fat <laughs> fact or. You said it. Here we go. All right. He's ready. I'm ready, folks. Are you sure you want to do this? This is a dangerous podcast. Are you sure you want to do this? I'm I'm definitely sure. And I want I'm wanna, already thinking about who I'm gonna get the first email I wanna from do pissed it off about this. I wanna do it with you, John. <laughs> That's exactly why I want to do this. I have been waiting for this podcast for quite a while. It's not that I don't trust Father Michael O'Loughlin. It's not that I don't trust Father Michael Rapp, but you and I have a way of just uh screaming at each other that actually produces fruit. So sometimes. Here we go. Okay. I can't I I'm impressed. This is ballsy. Maybe. Or stupid. Um, But I think that we've talked about this before. We haven't dealt with some of the more difficult podcast topics. And uh, for a lot of people, they would have like a list of podcast topics and say, these are really difficult. Right. um, You know, uh, homosexuality, contraception, abortion, uh, why priests are men, etc. Right. Um, I think we've we've started chipping away at some of those, but actually those aren't too hard. Right. If you show the nature of kind of the of male and female, if you show like the dignity of sexuality, etc., you can see why some of these things are wrong. Right. This topic is one of those things that I think that would make a lot of people uncomfortable. Okay. What's the title of this? And I love making people uncomfortable. <laughs> that is part of my humor. You're very good at it. Yes. Now. The, um, the I think there's a difference between cultural, like difficult culturally topics, and then difficult theologically. You know, because this think, is not we're not whipping this thing up. It I is, think this is actually difficult for faithful Catholics. Yeah, and I and I have specific people in mind that are going to have problems with this. I know. Okay, I'm going to pour a little more light. I think Craig. you should. I think you should. Okay, here Small we go. Batch. Are you who ready? Gave, who gave us this one? I don't even know. Well, let's do this. Whoever gave us the Elijah Craig bourbon, <laughs> God bless you, because we're going to need it. Let's Folks, it. settle a, in. It's about... Strap in. <laughs> wherever you're going, just just, just get ready. It's about to go Okay? Down. Do you believe... John, Father John, do you believe that if a Vatican council or a church council says something as defined dogma, we should believe that it's true? I do. Okay. So like things like Jesus is truly God and truly man. You would believe that. I believe that. Okay. Um, At some point in the church's history, namely in the Council of Trent, there was a statement that said, quote, if anyone is to say that marriage is superior to merit, if marriage is superior to celibacy, anathema sit. Okay. All right. So um, there are a lot of people out there that do not like the fact that celibacy and virginity are superior to marriage. Would you say on public radio, on private radio, whatever we, you know, podcast, you know, airwaves, would you say that you believe in your heart of hearts that virginity and celibacy, um, namely like women who are uh, unmarried and consecrated and desirous to live their life solely for Christ, as opposed to getting married, is superior um, in Christian life. I love that you're putting this on me. 
I'll I'll totally back that. If you I, want me to go I, first, no, I, I, I would say yes. I do. It's the te- it's the teaching of the church. It's going to take some qualification, it and some, it's yes. going to take a little bit of sensitivity. Because guess who listens to this podcast? Married people. Married people. Yeah. So yeah, and I don't want to get into clericalism. Okay, and I don't want to get into angelism and all of that stuff, but I do want to say, first and foremost, we are not just pulling this out of preference or opinion. We are stating what the church has reiterated throughout the ages. And we're not defensive at all. I'm not defensive. Who's defensive? Do Do you know why part of this came up? Do you remember when you went to Boulder and had that conversation with the hostess? The hostess with the mostess? Which hostess? The, the steakhouse that you went to. Wait, the one I told her she should wear a black wedding dress because she's living with her. No, God, no. Oh. Please don't say that. Don't I say that, that on I that was funny. There. She wants to get married on Halloween. I oh, said, okay. I thought, you know, a progressive scale from white to black could be... True. Elvira. She, did, she didn't think that was funny. Go ahead. No, she asked you, you're a priest? And you said yes. And you're like, and she's like, a, a real priest? And you're like, yes. And she said, how do you deal with... And then didn't finish the sentence. This is last week. This is last week. And I said, sex? Right. I don't have sex? And she goes, oh, yeah. Exactly. Right. The question isn't, all right, how do you deal with standing before God in the person of Christ and offering this mere bread and wine on behalf of the church to be transformed into the body and blood of Jesus Christ as a mystical representation of Calvary? That is not the question. The question is, how do you deal with not having... (laughs) That is true. I don't know if they're kids in the car, so i got to be careful. They usually are, and they've learned a lot over the years. They've learned a lot, okay? Uncle Nathan. They are... the, (laughs) The question is always put in the negative. Right. The question is always put in the negative. Celibacy is something that you are not enjoying. Celibates are unmarried. All right. Virgins are unmarried. Right. And since you're unmarried, it means that you're not able to enjoy a natural good that all of us are, in some sense, um, given by creation. Pause for a second. Pause. Here's my reservation as we step into this, as we run through this Mindful oh, we're together. there. We're there. We're there. The people who are going to react to this are not the waitresses at the Cork who cannot believe that sure. anybody can live without sex. Sure. People who are going to react to this are the people who went to Franciscan University of Steubenville, who I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who, who you maybe felt, you just celebrated their wedding? Hmm? Not, we're not mentioning any names. I'm not mentioning any names. You mentioned some names. You celebrated a lot of, lot of weddings. <laughs> so, but they felt, they felt this pressure to be like, and this was given by certain priests and religious who basically was like, you know how this works in discernment. It's like you're a college kid and uh, they're like, are you hardcore enough to do this, to like give your whole life to Jesus? If you're not hardcore. Right. Okay. And it, it wasn't this kind of like discernment. It was just kind of like, this is a better way, objectively. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't a sense of discernment. It was just kind of like, well, if you really love Jesus, then you'll do this. Then you'll be a religious and then they had this feeling of like, I'm called to marriage. Okay. And then it was like, well, I guess I'm just lukewarm. So there's a lot of people who are reacting to sure. this topic because of that experience. I'm not saying... This is the inner Catholic circle. This is not okay. the, right. the external world. Okay. I'm not saying that marriage, which is a sacrament, is a B vocation. Okay? You have A prime and then B. I'm rather saying 
and reiterating what the church has said, namely that celibacy and virginity is superior to marriage. Why? Okay? And we're going to get into that now. We got it. Thomas Dubay. This is, I'm, I'm going to follow an, a, a very eloquent argument given by Thomas Dubay. I think that this should be standard reading for any sister, brother, nun, seminarian, priest, and possibly even married people. I would say any. I gotta read. I gotta read enough about marriage. Why don't y'all read a little bit about virginity? Okay. So this book is called "And You Are Christ's: The Charism of Virginity and the Celibate Life." Okay. Thomas Dubay is a religious who has written uh, a great deal on the spiritual life and, in particular, religious life. And right. in this, he's talking specifically on uh, virginity and celibacy. Okay. Tommy, Tommy, tell us what's going on. Here we go. He makes five points, and we're going to go through these pretty quickly. Um, I just want to get his argument out. I'm not just using an argument from authority and hiding under it. I just think he has a very good way of explaining this without it being one is so much better and the rest of you are just kind of schleps. Okay, I'm going to put a question out there that I'd like to have answered in the next 45 minutes as you there unfold you go. this. Why? 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 Why, why is this important? No. Why, why is, is this, this important? Distinction important. That's I'm just framing that. Yes. Because that's the question. Yes. That is okay. most important. Okay. As we'll get there at the end. Okay. At the, at the end. Why, folks? In three minutes, the loon clock is going to go off, which means that I'm going to have about twenty to twenty-five minutes to deal with this. Okay. Go for it. Here we go. Point one: Virginity is a privileged sphere of the sacred. This, he's, these are his subtitles. Virginity is a privileged sphere of the sacred. In that, he talks about how um, holiness is really not just moral holiness, namely sinning or not sinning, namely not sinning means that you're holy, but rather holiness is closeness to God, okay? When we consecrate something, a chair, a altar, a table, a cup, which becomes a chalice, the chair becomes the the cathedra, the seat for the bishop, right. or a place which becomes a church. It is something that is now out of the realm of the profane or the secular, the normal everyday use, and is now used solely for the purpose of God and the things of God, and henceforth has a closeness to God. In our ordination rite, if you remember, we say we're handed the chalice, uh, you know, at our ordination after we're consecrated, and it and the the bishop says to us, receive the offering uh, to re- receive the offering, offering of the people, people to be offered to God. Um, imitate imitate what you celebrate and conform your life to the to the mystery of the Lord's cross. Imitate what you celebrate. Like we have uh, twenty two minutes. I'm going. You have a Just closeness. Let the loon. Let the loon. Let the loon take you. I'm trying to be calm about this. I believe in celibacy. It's over. Okay. Um, We have a closeness to Christ because we have been consecrated for his purpose. And so this privileged sphere of the sacred is that we are called out of the everyday kind of concerns and should be focused on the things of God and of God himself. Would you uh, believe that we are consecrated? Yes. Do you believe that married people are consecrated? No. Uh, yeah. I'm shaking my head. Yeah, they are. But it's different, though. They are consecrated for each other. Right. 
That's yeah. They are consecrated for each other, and we are consecrated for God. Right. And virgins are consecrated for God. Right. It's interesting because priests... But we're even... The three different states of life, the consecration is different. Yes. So, like, consecration um, as a virgin is different than consecration as a priest. We're consecrated in some ways for the church, for the bride of Christ. Married people are consecrated for each other. It's just... It's just True. But yeah. And I, he gets into that in yeah, terms yeah, of yeah. the spousal relationship for women is much easier because Christ is male, right. than for us as men who are consecrated for the sake of the church and for God, in that sense, we are receptive, right. and henceforth, in that sense, female or feminine. Don't watch my hesitation. I was just thinking okay. about other things. This is how he describes a virgin. I, I think it's important to start with definitions. A virgin is a woman or man who is selected by the Lord himself from the generality of all other human beings to enter into the transcend- transcendental sphere of the utterly sacred one in a new and exclusive manner, a manner that becomes a permanent state in life. To enter into the transcendental sphere of the utterly sacred one in a new and exclusive manner, a manner that becomes a permanent state in life. I think this is important because we have been drawn out of the world, virgins, celibates, uh, priests, I can't say deacons because some of them are married, um, have been drawn out of the world for the concern solely of God and the things of God. Right. Um, I'm thinking about a number of things right now because I just came off a silent retreat mm-hmm. where I directed two women who will be consecrated virgins. And I say that because without disclosing anything that I shouldn't, just I was amazed by the intimacy with Jesus that he's inviting them to. Yes. And that's coming from a priest. But there's something more profound in their life. And again, we have the charism of celibacy that's been given, but it was it was astonishing to watch. And it was the grace of God. And it's just different. Mm-hmm. And I think that their married friends look at this and they think, this is unbelievable. This is amazing. This is very different. And so we have to kind of have some awe and reverence over the fact that like God does this. God calls certain women, I'm thinking of, of, of women in particular, but mm-hmm. men and women to be completely espoused to him. To be a privileged sphere of the sacred, right. to, to have a proximate uh, closeness to his holiness. And my love and my interest theologically is when he says, yes, you are the sphere of the sacred, but stay in the world. That is, a, that is, that is those are primarily the people that you're working with. That's who I'm working with. Now, that's yeah. a different topic, but mm-hmm. in religious, it's beautiful. But, but the, the, those who he calls to that privileged place to be, that's, this is my heart, you know? I mean, this is, the, this is very particular to our work, both of us, you know? Yeah. Okay, continue. Okay, point two. You got 19 minutes. A radical readiness for and pursuit of the kingdom. Virginity is a radical readiness for and pursuit of the kingdom. He says, quote, The charism of celibacy changes a person from within. It readies a woman or a man in a radical manner for the ultimate purpose of all life, of all human life. We should note the key word radical. For baptism readies everyone for eternal life. The virginal consecration deepens this readiness and it offers a way of life that sensitizes one to the operation of the Holy Spirit and for the more prompt pursuit of the kingdom that appears in Jesus. What do we do with these phrases where Jesus says, look, go sell what you have, give everything over, and then come and follow me? Right. 
is that for everyone or is that for just a select few? What do we do when Jesus says, unless you hate your own life, your father and mother, um, you cannot be my disciple. What do you do when Jesus says, you who have given over um, lands and houses and wives and children for the sake of following me will receive innumerably more in this life and in the life to come. Right. It's particularly because in baptism we have been set apart. In baptism, we have been set apart to live this readiness and pursuit of the kingdom. And there are some that God calls as eschatological sign, like pointers, to say, ultimately, many of the things that we concern ourselves with this in this life don't really matter. Yeah. But rather, we need to be centered on the life to come and the kingdom that is coming and being born in the world right now. Yes. I got my hand in the air. I know, I saw that. Heil. When Aquinas talks about the reasons for virginity, he names them as three. Number <laughs> one, union with God, freedom for union with God. Number two, eschatological witness. And number three is availability for mission. So all three of those tie into what you're talking about, this readiness thing. Mm-hmm. I spent 10 days with my immediate family in, um, in Minnesota. I had a wonderful time. But I was amazed by the the sacrifice that my siblings make as parents. Yes. They have no life. They, I mean, it's like... It's all consuming. It's all consuming. Yes. And um, I have an option to live as a bachelor and to kind of live my sweet, sweet life over in Rome or to live a spousal life in intimacy with Jesus. Yes. So he gives the option. Yes. But there's also a real danger with that. Yes. When in marriage, it's just naturally there. I mean, my sister Katie and, and Jordan, I was going to say to you, good luck. Good luck. That's Jordan Jordan Lynch. Jordan understands, understands my Star Fox reference. Star Fox. Yeah. The, um, you know, I was amazed by the self gift that they make for their children, but they, but they have to understand, like, prayer looks different for them right now. Right. And um, so anyways, I, I just, I, the readiness thing is really key. Right. And, and eschatological witnesses. And the problem yeah. is, when priests and religious just seem like unmarried persons, namely bachelors or bachelorettes, and they don't have the freedom, or they have the freedom that married couples don't have, they have unlimited income, they can, you know, go whenever they want, like, they don't have any, like, concerns, like, I can I can just pack up and, you know, go on a hut trip for, like, six days. I don't need to Watch find Watch your it. mouth. Okay, I'm just, just using examples, <laughs> go John. Go to Greece, you know, in a couple weeks. Go to Greece, okay? No, that's not what we're saying. We're not saying that, I hate when people say this, when they're like, oh, yeah, since you are celibate, that means that you can work more. No, no, no. You're supposed to work just as hard as I'm supposed to work. But the point is actually about intimacy. You're called to intimacy with a spouse. I'm called to intimacy with Christ, not with the church. Okay? That's gotten us into problems in the past, folks. I'm called to intimacy with Christ and total availability to him. He says this, The main idea between frugality or poverty and celibacy in Jesus' teaching is not freedom for apostolic work, important and valid as that is. Neither Jesus nor Paul speaks to the external apostolate when dealing with virginity for the kingdom. Rather, they refer to a deepened state of being, of total availability to the Lord's person and his enterprise, of a being sensitized to the new creation. Total availability to his will. Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. 
You would you would agree. If you have a mortgage, you cannot go wherever he wants you to go. Right. Are you supposed to have a mortgage? Absolutely. You're supposed to form a stable life so your children can grow up in an environment where they can be free to experience the world without being uh, scared about are we gonna are we gonna move like every other week? Right. Like stability is important. Walls are important. Sanctuary is important. The virgin or the celibate is the one who's able to give themselves totally to Christ and say, Lord, I'll go wherever. The fact that I can pick up and move 100 miles away from my family into Colorado means that I've given over something as opposed to somebody else. Right. So two quick points on that because you got to move to number three here. Number three. The uh, the first thing I would say is that um, the it's interesting how like in this culture of adolescence that we live in, people like our life, you know. They like the the kind of the guy thing of like I don't ever want to get married. I kind of want to live the bachelor life. They're kind of like they look at the priest and they think, well, that's kind of cool. You get to live that life. That's a really problematic thing. And the second thing is, I remember a comment I heard from uh, the companions of Minnesota. I think it was Bishop Cousins who said, nobody looks at Mother Teresa's life and says, yeah. oh, it's so sad that she's celibate. Amen. Because the totality for existence was exactly what you just articulated, which I can't repeat. It was extremely profound but that's dubay dubay is saying like she lived everything she lived poverty chastity obedience instead of like priests who live in these big ass houses that are modeled after german hunting lodges hypothetically 60s hypothetically but so uh, i can fill it with all my gadgets and gizmos and have a new car and And then everybody says oh isn't it sad that father nathan can't have a wife instead of look at mother Teresa's existence you know and look at the, the 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 entire thing is configured to espouse a love of Jesus, yeah, and that's that's the difference, and that's what that's what married people want. That's what they want. I, I think my, I think about my sister a lot and her little guys, and I was joking with her. I I said, you know, someday Jackson's going to be a priest and he's going to be eating Sour Patch Kids and drinking bourbon on a Friday night with Father Nathan, if only. doing this podcast. And the kid is a stud, wearing later hosen a couple weeks ago. He looked good. He did. My thighs were a little too revealing, but that's a side note. Agreed. The um. But uh, you know, it's it's about it's about the fullness of the gift. You're ready to move on. Go ahead. If you want, I'll I'll give you a little side note. Uh, Dubay does not on my thighs. Dubay does say Saint Paul sees celibacy as a pattern even for the married when he invites whom he invites to imitate on a temporary basis. That is, he suggests that husband and wife through mutual consent may, for the sake of deepening and extending their prayer give up this expression of their sexuality for a time. Good luck. Lent is a few months away. Okay, next point. Uh, Number three, okay? Virginity is an immediate, immediate ecclesial bridal union. An immediate ecclesial bridal union. He says, quote, there is no more apt and normal image of an intimate, total self-gift between two in love than the spousal one. I would totally agree with that. I love celebrating weddings for people that have faith who i know are sold out for the vision of of uh living a uh, an icon of christ's union with his church who want to raise a catholic family who are totally given over i celebrated one of these weddings this summer i told father john that i celebrated my first father john wedding glam it was glam beautiful people austin and amanda gurkey i am so proud of you uh, you are beautiful people. Your families are great. 
you're sold out for the vision. And we also did the reception at Coors Field, which was super cool. Which is cool. What does that have to do with me? Uh, usually you go to like super high end places and celebrate, uh, weddings for beautiful Backstory. People. He gives me a hard time, but he, he make, he says that I have to, they have to submit a photo. That's right. With the marriage prep. <laughs> That's right. He, he, he bases it on their engagement photo. There is no more apt and normal image of an intimate total self gift between two in love than the spousal one. The spousal one is seen through marriage. In this world, we see marriage through the lens of married people, obviously. And spousal gift is based on the way in which husband and wife give their, themselves to one another. So if, if virginity is an immediate ecclesial bridal union, it has to image in some sense spousal love. You have to look in the natural sense at marriage and say, how do they give? How do right. they give each other have they give themselves to one another. Right. And that has to come with sacrifice, but also a profound sense of a deepened love. I cannot live without you. The more and more I see married people as they grow older, especially my own parents, and I think you would say the same thing for yours, they're best friends and they actually miss one another when they're not around each other. Right. It's not like, oh, thank God, like I break. finally got away from that person. Right. It's like, I love giving myself to this person. Well, and it gets to a point, I think with our parents, we would say this, where I don't make sense without this person. Yes. In some way. For them. Yeah. For them. Yeah. It's not always the case. So for, for that, for the, for the married life, that is a mediated exist, existence. Celibacy or virginity is an immediate existence like immoderate, you know, not moderated, right. not mediated existence. Right. My life is not mediated by my gift to my spouse. You will be judged, married man or married woman, by the way in which you loved your wife or your husband, by the way in which you love the fruits of your wife or your husband, namely your children. I live, you live in immediate existence, that is ecclesial and nuptial. I have been espoused to Christ. I don't believe, I'm sorry, I don't believe that I have been espoused to the church. I believe that in a way, but not necessarily the particular church. Okay, qualification. You have been, I hate to tell you that, but not to St. Joan of Arc. Yes, yes. Not, That's not, why I'm saying particular church. No, not that, not that I loved, I love saying message St. Joan of Arc with you, but... You have to understand that as a priest, like I'm thinking of Andrea Polito, who's going to take vows next summer. She is a spouse of Christ. You are configured to Christ, but a spouse to the church. I hate to tell you that. Priestly state is different. Espoused to the church, but not the local church. Yes. Not the not the particular. Like because that Dias, would... diocese, parishes, these are juridical structures. These yes. are not theological theological realities. Exactly. We're really intense right now because this is a very passionate topic. Right, we because have, I don't, like, I don't want people like Cabrini to be like, "Well, you were a spouse to me, and then you just abandoned me." Right? Yeah, but my life has been given over to Christ and the Church. Okay, we got to go. Number four. If we hit sixty minutes, we're never going to hear the end. I know. Of I'm sorry, but this is a good topic. Number four: virginity, the fulfillment vocation. Okay, this sounds dangerous. Okay, Danger. because one saying one's living fulfilled, and one saying unfulfilled. Okay, 
This is what he says. Walking, cycling, motoring, and flying may rightly be compared as ways of getting from one city to another, and no reflection is made on the personal merits of the various travelers. States of life are obviously different from one another, and it should not surprise anyone or hurt anyone to notice that they do vary in effectiveness in bringing the, the kingdom to fruition. What we are doing is we are trying to fulfill the kingdom in this world. What are we living? We are living the counsels that Jesus teaches for all of the faithful. Chastity. Um, <laughs> so, just go. I'm sorry. Poverty. Uh, obedience. Poverty, chastity, and obedience. Where he counsels that to everyone. And he says, this is the way that leads to fulfillment. Whoever loves his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. We're not saying that married people don't give of themselves, but we are saying that when someone is consecrated, when someone is ordained, when someone is uh, consecrated as a virgin or a religious, that from the very beginning, they have already made a full offering of themselves to God. You are making, married people are making a mediated offering of, of themselves to God. Through their spouse. Right. And I'm not saying that it's not as big of a gift or the same gift. They're supposed to give their total self. But from the beginning, you should look at a sister, a brother, a priest, a nun, and say, you have already given yourself. Why are you, why are you worried about this vacation to Alaska? You've already given yourself. Right. Why are you worried about... Um, what you are to eat or what you are to wear or what your hair is supposed to look like or whether or not you can't wear like bangles with your habit, you've already given yourself. Stop thinking about that. I'm actually really grateful for that in little ways because I don't have to think about what I'm supposed to wear because I'm supposed to wear clerics. But I mean, the fact that married people sometimes have to worry about what they're out to wear because they have to buy school clothes for their kids. And I don't have to worry about that. So am I just lazy? Have I actually lived the charism of poverty because I don't have to choose what I'm supposed to wear? What if I get all my clerics from like the super high-end... Gamarelli. Gamarelli. Right. That doesn't make any sense. I just got a cassock from Gamarelli. Thanks for judging me. Whatever. I think one of the important things is the distinction between nature and and the supernatural. Mm Mm-hmm. And what we're talking about, this sign value, the sign value of, of the consecrated person. Any, any good, faithful, Catholic married couple I know loves having their family surrounded by religious, right? I was talking to Lacey Gallick today. You know Lacey Gallick? She's mm-hmm. our friends up in oh, Montana. Yeah. yeah, Lacey and Mark. Mark played with Constructs and Battle Beast when he was a kid. Cool. We're basically the same person. I told Lacey, I said, you need to kind of watch, guard your heart, you know, because we're basically the same guy. But they love priests, and they love religious. And I think that they have this sense of, they're a good example for me of a couple that isn't like all insecure because it's like, oh, we're not good enough or whatever. But they just see, they see the, the providence and the beauty and the eschatological sign value of someone whose life is totally given to a spousal relationship with Christ, like Andrea or like one of our friends or like Sunit. I mean, they... They've given everything to that. Yes. So there's the distinction. Or Father Mike. Or Father Mike. Or it should be that way. Or Father Chris Lepsock. It should be that way. Right. Okay. But see, that's where, in this sense, he's talking about fulfillment, not as 
um, you're going to live a totally blissed out life. Right. But that you understand what our ultimate fulfillment is in. Right. God and God alone. If priests are all about, well, I'm more available because I'm celibate for doing more work. No, 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 no. The whole point of the Christian life is union with God. From the beginning of your life, you have said, I desire and give myself totally to God. Right. How many families do you have at your parish? 2,200. Okay. So if you have 2,200 families, it would if you had dinner every day with one of those families, mm-hmm. it would take you like seven years. Seven years. So I, I kind of want to be to people like, understand what the priest is and understand what he's doing and just kind of back off a little bit, all right? You know, he's not living this bachelor life. People always pity me because they're like, we're so sorry for you. You can't have sex with people. And I'm like, you know what? My life is not lonely. My life is is overwhelming because of the intensity of relationships and because of the intensity of relationship with Christ. And it's it's that's that's what that's what this life is about. And I think that the grace to be configured to that is uh, is something that shouldn't ever be pitied, but it, it really should be recognized as as what it is. Because the best thing that married people can do for priests is actually pointing to what is the purpose of your life. It's the sanctification of yourself, like actually growing in union with God and the sanctification of others. Right. Just like married people, your life is actually about the sanctification of your spouse and the sanctification of your children. Right. And from that union, the sanctification of the world. Number five, and then we got to wrap this thing up. Let's go. All right, here we go. Virginity and excluding fullness. Okay. He says, quote, for any positive human choice, necessarily includes negative results, other choices that cannot be made simultaneously. Okay, the point is, when Christ sets his face towards Jerusalem, he necessarily turns his back on Beijing, Rome, Athens, everywhere else. His life is pointed totally towards union with this goal. It's an excluding fullness and it's not saying that my life is based on not getting X, Y, or Z. There is a desire that I have for children. There is a delight that I have in my nieces, in the fact that they bring delight to other people. Their lives are so wondrous, like the, the, the way in which their individual personalities or whatever else. But I can't live the rest of my life saying, but I don't have this, right. but I don't have that. The fact that I have set my life towards the cross of Christ and towards union with God means that I have excluded this other good way as a means to sanctification. Right. And I'm not saying that it's a bad thing, but I'm actually saying yes and no. Right. But everybody else just sees it as a big no. Yeah. I'm thinking about Minnesota again, going back to that. And Jackson John Lynch, who I talk about a lot, he's two and a half years old. He's my boy. He was wearing later hosen with me a couple weeks ago. We play this game called um, I'm going to Tackle You, <laughs> which basically means I grab him and run him through the house and throw him on the couch. Yeah. And um, I love playing I'm going to Tackle You with Jackson, but I never have a moment where I'm like, poor me. I don't get to have my own Jackson. Right. He looks like me. He's hopefully will be a better version of me as he grows up. But 
we have experienced something that's deeper, that deeper than Jackson. I mean, he is a wonderful, wonderful little little boy, and he's going to be an amazing man someday. But we've experienced intimacy with Christ on the cross, yeah. and I, I just I I cannot express how much I love being celibate. Yeah, and I I I, t- I say that to people like. This is an amazing thing because it's not me. And one of the great gifts of my life is that my brother went to seminary and left and got married. Yep. And Steve was wonderful because he always said, I didn't have the grace of celibacy. And he didn't say that in a pitying way. He didn't say that in like, oh, poor me. He just said, hey, this is this is it. You know, I went to seminary. Yep. I thought about this. I, it wasn't there. But for me as his brother, it's always been this thing of like, this is a grace, right? And it's not from me. It wasn't for him. Steve is such a better man than I am, but it's not, it has nothing to do with that. It's right. just God's crazy problem. But he's thinking in terms of negative terms again. He's, it's rather that I have received the grace of marriage. I've received the grace of the call to marriage. I was the same way with my brother. I looked at Mike and Stephanie and I said, what you have created for yourself, you didn't give it to yourself. God gave it to you. You received that gift. I received my own gift. Instead of you looking at me and saying, well, I didn't receive the gift of priesthood, they should look at each other and say, I received the gift of marriage, which I'm pretty sure they do because they don't look at my life and say, oh, man, that's so awesome. But it's a different thing. Granted, when I tell my brother, like, yeah, I'm going to take a three-hour nap, he's like, what the hell? <laughs> so, okay. Here's- Mike, Mike Goble, a shout out. The guy is just he's a stud. man. She's a stud. We got to wrap this thing up. All right. Last quote. When most people think of celibacy, they think in negative terms. For this, for them, this consecration is a non-experience of genital sexuality. It may be seen also as a non-marriage for the kingdom. These negative concepts are true, but they omit what is most important, what is positive. To speak of virginity as a not something is like speaking of Susan's marriage, Steve's marriage to Meg, as a not marriage of Steve's marriage to, you know, Shannon, okay? And omitting omitting to say that it is a first of all mutual gift of self with Meg. The celibate person does give up an earthly marital relationship, but she is first described by the even greater relationship and fullness that she receives. It is a special intimacy with Christ that explains the much more fulfillment that she receives. Mic drop. <laughs> Mic drop. Okay. Book Mic drop. drop. He just dropped. The I'm book. not. I'm not saying that marriage isn't a beautiful vocation, but I am saying that celibacy has been celibacy and virginity has been given by Christ for the sake of presenting to people a living iconographic witness to the power of virginal fruitfulness. That's the why. That we don't have to have a life where we just say, well, you know what? Marriage is everything. Have as many kids, you know, train them all in the faith, whatever else. It's rather there are some that have totally given themselves to God because ultimately that's what heaven is. They neither marriage, they neither marry nor are given a marriage, but are totally given to God. That's the why. If I had a book, I would drop it right now. Give me the caramello. All right, fine. The uh, what I, what I would say, my final word, and then Goble, we got it. We got to end. This I know thing. I'm ready. This is the final thing I'll say, and this is important. Sugar. <laughs> um, these books like Holy Sex and even some of the theology of the body stuff gets off the rails a little bit because there is beauty in your continence in a marriage. 
meaning the days and the times right. of abstinence. Yeah. And here's what I would say. Now, Dr. Lillis would deny this, but I swear I heard him say it, and I believe it. Spiritual fruitfulness is rooted in virginity, is rooted in continence, which means that you want to see your kids grow up in the faith. You want to see them deepen in this. That means that there is fruitfulness in those moments of abstinence, maybe even months or years of abstinence, that you have to face. So for married couples, this is not an either-or kind of thing, but this is something that's very real, that God uses virginity, so to speak, chastity, uh, for the sake of his spiritual fruitfulness. We'll just leave it at that. Very proud of the people that I married this summer. I know you're proud of them too. I'm also proud of the people that have given themselves totally to Christ. Shout outs. Shout outs. Let's do this. We got to get under an hour because... Jesuit novitiates. Connor Smith, my boy. Do you know Connor Smith? No. Probably the happiest human ever. Who's that? He's a great guy. He came to Rome with some friends this year. You're back. Yeah. Are we over? No. I think you got to be like 16 to be Yes. Oh, we're okay, really we nervous about it. Still got to get over. Listen, Connor Smith is the man. He was up at CU. He was one of these caddy kids. You know the caddies who have like a full ride scholarship? Do you know that? No. What is if that? You're, if you're a caddy at a golf course, do you know what golf is? Mm-hmm. Remember Brady Wagner whipped you like yep. last week? All the time. <laughs> Ooh, nice left. Connor was a caddy. Connor is now a Jesuit. And uh, Jeff Miraflor. Miraflor is his uh, buddy. And so, Okay, sweet. Pay attention for a second. I'm trying. Say hi to Jeff. Hello, Jeff. I'm so proud of you that you entered the Jesuits and are beginning a lifelong gift of yourself to Christ and his church. Well said. So shout out to those boys. Go ahead. I got a sugar high. Shut up. Shut up. (laughs) Uh, A shout out to Annie Carpenter and Matt Delizia. Uh, They are both in med school. They're in a relationship right now. Both of them are in separate schools. And... Possibly on track for marriage. I don't know. Whoa. Um, but a super cool couple. Had a really interesting concept, a really interesting conversation with them about uh, urology. Um, and thank you for listening. Really? Yeah. I have a pretty crazy idea. I'll talk to you afterwards. Okay. Okay. I don't think it's... Was that Cosmo Kramer from Seinfeld? Was he a urologist? No, he was a... He was a... Uh, we'll just leave it at that. Are you ready, Beck? Proctologist. Proctologist. Thank you. The, okay, uh, next one. Here we go. You ready for me? Yeah, because these are the. This is from. Uh, th- this is from Australia. Selena this is from Australia from and the Caramello Koala. We're very grateful here for the uh, Selena Lie. Selena Lie. <laughs> she shipped this thing. This is a tough bag. This is all the way from Australia. Australia. We got a bag of caramello koalas from Australia. A wonderful letter here. I'm reading it right now. You want one, Dar- Olo? Dar- Olo's Dar- back. Olo, get some. Get some of this. Get some of this. This caramel is amazing. <laughs> Olo, we just lost half of our listenership because of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, whatever. He just made fun of marriage for two hours. I didn't make fun of marriage. Check so, yourself or you wreck yourself. The funny thing about Selena is she signed best wishes, Selena Lai, and then she said phonetically, this is how you pronounce it. She knows us too Did well. Did you still butcher it? Selena Lai. Okay, thank L-I-E. you. L-I-E. Okay, great. Well, thank you. Selena, Where is she is, from? She's from Darwin, Australia. She wrote us a wonderful card wonderful that card. is extremely long eating, and beautiful. And we're eating your card. But we are eating the caramella koalas the week after we said no more sugar. <laughs> Okay. All right. 
All right, last one. Wrap it up. All right, you did that in her in her um, a voice. I'm gonna do it in this guy's voice. Okay, <clears throat> dear Catholic stepfathers, par- please pardon my terrible handwriting. I can't thank you enough for creating your podcast. You were instrumental in my conversion and demonstrated to me the joy that can be found in the church. You may never know how much you have done for myself and others. Please accept this note and a bottle of whiskey as a thank you. Patrick J. Carter from Decatur, <laughs> Illinois. With I asked Patrick when he arrived at St. Joan of Arc, I was like, where are you from? And he said, Decatur. And I said, I mean, he said, Decatur. And I said, when, where did you grow up? And he said, Decatur. I said, where is your family from? And he said, Decatur. Decatur. And I'm like, you are. You need to meet Father John and Father Mike and convince these guys that sometimes I have a Southern accent because it's people true. like you are from where I'm from. It's true. God bless you, Patrick. You are another reason why I do this podcast. You are a man. You actually converted because of stupid things that we said. You are still living the Christian faith, and you like booze. And God bless you. You are what this country is made of. America. Patrick J. Carter, I salute you. And one day, I will fire off a Roman candle in your honor at your hometown with your family present, possibly even your sister, who I will salute with a sparkler because a man will never fire a Roman candle at a woman. God bless you, and God bless America, because when America blesses God, God blesses America. I love you, Patrick. (laughs) It's over. (laughs) I'm done with shout-outs, okay? This is Catholic Stuff Podcast. You can listen if you want. You can not listen if you want. If you are married, we are proud of you. If you are celibate, we are even more proud of you, but not as proud as married people, because we have to say that, because most of the married people are the people that listen to our podcast. You can listen on CatholicStuff at gmail.com, or you can like us on Facebook. You can check us out on iTunes, or you can God bless America. We will see you next week. Cue the patriotic music, Becca. (laughs) 